0: Well, hello, everybody. Happy Saturday to you. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone, here. And we are going to hopefully entertain you for the next, oh, 54, 55 minutes or so. And if you have joined us and you are visiting here, as I always tell you, eat, drink, be merry, and just be careful. Just have a lot of fun. Have a lot of fun. Well, My, 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 it's March Madness weekend, carries on. I'm supposed to be, I know, drenched in film and television, but I love sports too. So, well, hey, March Madness is television. So yeah, my, the Zags, those are my guys, they won barely. Uh, it was scary with that UCLA stuff. But anyway, uh, March Madness marches on. And so are we going to march on? Let me, before, hey, before I tell you about our guests, we have some really cool guests. today. We always have cool guests, but this is a film that is in the process of being casting. Oh, wait, hold on. Okay. If you are a big fan of any of these Actors here Robert Pattison, Robert Downey Jr., Forrest Whitaker, Amy Adams, uh, Danielle Deadweiler, All of them are together, they're going to be the stars of a new upcoming film called Average Height, Average Build. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's an all star cast right there, but anyway, it is being um, called a, a dark comedy about a serial killer who uses political lobbyists to change laws so that the serial killer, so he can find and get people to to kill, to keep his body count high. Now this is supposed to, is this not real? No, okay, it's not real. But anyway, it's fiction, hopefully. And yeah, all-star cast there. So that's the storyline. Dark comedy, black comedy, whatever you want to call it. Serial killer, who uses political lobbyists to zoom up the numbers of his victims. Love this cast, though. This is a, oh, man, this is a hellified cast here. So they're working on it. There are other uh, cast announcements that will be coming up soon for this particular film. I'll keep you posted on that. I actually want to see this movie. Well, okay, before we can see that movie, let's tell you, let's tell you about Guest here today. We have the director of a new documentary that's on Prime Video about Reggie Jackson. Yes, Hall of Famer, uh, multi-award winning Reggie Jackson, Oakland A's, New York Yankees. And this new uh, documentary was just released actually yesterday. And so it is available right now as we speak. So after our show, if you want to go see it, you're a big fan of... uh, it's, you know, baseball or sports, we go look at it. So we'll have the director on in our show here. And we will also have the director of another new documentary that's making big headlines in the film festival circuit is titled King of Kings Chasing Edward Jones. And if you love, uh, mafia mob topic films and documentaries, uh, rich people, good-looking people, traveling internationally. This documentary is, of course, is real, based on a real, true story. And the gentleman that who is the topic of this documentary, well, we have the director who happens to be the granddaughter of the subject matter. So she will be joining us calling all the way from Paris, France. And so we are looking forward. I am definitely looking forward for you to hear this interview. This film is fantastic. I just loved it. I've already seen it like what four times, four times. I really love it. So, okay. And I have an audition. I have an audition. Do I have another audition? Yeah, I have one audition. Thank you for reminding me. I have a really good audition, especially if you are in the market for dating and finding love. So stay tuned for that. All right, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we will have our first guest. So stay tuned. Okay, we are back here on Film Festival Radio Show, and it is time for our first guest here. How many of you out there are fans of baseball? I know we are in March Madness season, but baseball is also, you know, haven't been too long cranked up. But if you are a big fan of baseball, Major League Baseball, well, you are really going to want to pay attention to my first guest here. Uh, The document, there is a documentary that just started actually yesterday on Prime Video is called Reggie, as in Reggie Jackson. Yes, the Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, uh, activist, Uh, How many Golden Gloves did he win? Five, I think. You know, Yankees, the Oakland A's, it's Reggie Jackson. And this new documentary, again, it just premiered yesterday on uh, Prime Video, so he's playing right now. And I am so delighted to bring to you the director of the film, the documentary, which paints it's an intimate and very revealing documentary uh, about the career, off-screen, on-screen. information about the legendary Reggie Jackson. So our guest is the director. Her name is Alex Stapleton, and she is an Emmy Award-winning documentary filmmaker. She's done projects for Showtime, for Netflix, Uh, just a long, long list. So I had the opportunity to chat with Alex yesterday morning actually very early yesterday morning. So let's roll my interview with Alex Stapleton to chat about her latest documentary film that she's directing uh, titled Reggie about the one and only Reggie Jackson. Let's roll it. Do you have an air date? Yes, this will be airing later today uh, and also on tomorrow on the radio station. Okay, let me get you connected. We're on tight schedule. so you have the 10 minutes? Okay, great. Thank you. The conference is now being recorded. Okay, oh, say hello. Well, good morning, Alex. Good morning, Janice. How are you? I'm excellent. I've got my coffee here and I'm ready to go and just ready to chat with you about uh, the new documentary of which you are direct have directed, Reggie, about the amazing career and life of a forest baseball great, Reggie Jackson, Hall of Famer. I might want to add it with that. So, all right, it premieres. Uh, it is. Well it's sun up. It's premiering today, March twenty-fourth on Prime Video. Uh what are we going to see with this new documentary? Um, well, this documentary
2: uh definitely uh follows the, the, the life and career of, of Reggie Jackson. Uh um and you know, we we go through uh his journey with baseball, um his journey um becoming and defining, you know, himself is is one of the the greatest players um, uh, with two American dynasties, uh, the Oakland A's and the New York Yankees. Um, And uh, I also kind of interweave that with um, a lot of uh, American uh, politics and culture, uh, things that were going on as Reggie was, you know, getting more traction in his career. It was happening with the backdrop of a very turbulent America, you know, 60s. Um, In Birmingham, Alabama, the 1970s and late 60s and early 70s in in Oakland, uh, California, and then uh, moving to New York uh, by the mid to late 70s. So um, that's a a big, the the journey of the film, but it also is um, a film that follows Reggie today. Um, I think most people will be surprised by that um, as he uh, went on a quest to find out like what his legacy is going to be. And he's still very active with the MLB. Um, he actually is an advisor uh, with the Astros, um, and is with the team yeah, as we speak. Um, and so I think you know it was a the film is a big reflection of him looking back on his life. And he's got so much more to do and so much more story to tell. And and how was he going to plug in what he's learned, you know, into this new chapter that he's experiencing.
0: Now, uh, growing up, I remember, especially my mom was a huge baseball fan, and we remember uh Reggie, at least as a kid, remember Reggie Jackson during his time with the Yankees, it was often referred to as Mr. October because he just seemed to come to life in October. Uh will we uh-huh. see, <laughs> will, will we see any of the, uh, the the infamous clashes that he and former Yankee manager Billy Martin used to have? Because I know those were notorious too.
2: Yes um we do you know i um obviously you you can't really tell the story without uh confronting that that part of it um uh, but i think what's interesting now is that you, you watch the archival of, of some of those uh infamous moments that that played out um however i think um reggie you know at 76 years old um speaking about it is is very interesting because his reflection on it now is just like how, how sad is that? You know, it didn't have to be that way. Um, and I, I think that it was just interesting for him to be so reflective of, um, moments like that, um, that were just so heated, you know, at, at the time. Um, but you know, we, I, I spent a lot more time probably looking at his relationship with George Steinbrenner, the, the owner of the, the Yankees and kind of how intense it was when he was a player. Um, but then how they, they grew, um, the friendship actually really developed when Reggie went back after his retirement um in an advisor capacity um with the Yankees later um so you know i mean i think Reggie's story is you know also Charlie Finley the owner of the, the A's um you so much of of what was reported in the press is that Reggie is a problem athlete because he's you know standing up to you know a manager or a, a team owner but i think when you hear the whole story from his perspective and point of view you realize that there's so much more that was going on and you know you're kind of like this this probably you know feels very one-sided how it was reported back in the day
0: oh yes well being a part of the media i kind of know about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but okay so uh i understand that there are other uh sports legends that are involved in Reggie's interviewing in this doc so tell us about some of those names
2: uh, yeah, um, Reggie, um, as he kind of went on this quest to figure out what the next chapter in his life was going to look like, we went and talked to some of his close friends, and that was, you know, those are people like Derek Jeter, uh, uh, Dr. J, Julia Thurbing, Um, and, and my personal favorite uh, conversation that I was able to film was uh, Reggie uh, visiting with Hank Aaron. And we, I think we're probably the last, uh, people to film with Hank before he, he passed. Um, and it was just, it was, I, I'm just so thankful that we got that conversation. It was so honest and, and raw between the two of them reflecting on their careers, you know, the good and, and and the challenging and the not so great. Um, and kind of their, their Hank's opinion about, you know, baseball today and, and some of the things that need to change, um, with the
0: sport. And to further speak of baseball today, I mean, we see these not only baseball, but just professional sports. Period. We see these exorbitant amounts of contract. Has Reggie? Did he? What does he think about baseball in particular today, as as in general as a whole?
2: I think Reggie um, is really proud of you know a lot of the players today. I mean, I think that there's some some great talent out there. I know he's a big fan of, uh, you know, the Astros team and that organization and, and, um, their owner, Jim Crane. Um, but I think Reggie is committed to seeing more diversity in baseball. Um, but not, that's not just on the field. That's also, you know, in the front office and, um, uh, with, you know, management and coaches and, and just really, and and ownership. I mean, that's another big part of of Reggie's journey was, with him trying to buy a team twice and, and not being able to um and so i i think that that's kind of a mission that he's on is um trying to to get uh the sport to understand you're actually losing out you know by by not having a more diverse organization and and trying to create change in in that in that way
0: well uh we know that you are an emmy award winning documentary filmmaker uh just Some of your mini credits include Showtime's Shut Up and Dribble. uh, Also, Netflix's The Playbook and so many others. But in my last two minutes here, how did you get involved with this project? Did they seek you out or how did you guys get matched up with this Reggie project?
2: Um, Well, there was a a couple of producers uh, at Delirio Films who I had actually worked on The Playbook with, um, uh, and, uh, and a series that we did for Netflix about coaches. And, um, uh, we, it was a, a great, you know, pairing and they had just started to talk to Reggie Jackson. They, they were trying, you know, flirting with the idea of trying to figure out how they could convince him to say yes to doing a documentary. And, uh, I, I they brought me in to meet with him. And um yeah, it was uh one of the most intimidating meetings of my life, uh sitting across from Reggie, who was like, I mean, I felt like I was, you know, he was like still like 38 years old and just like (laughs) like, you know, giving me the the Reggie Jackson look, like sizing me up, like, okay, like what what are you really gonna bring to this project? Um, but I I got the job and um you know that was in 2019. And so we started shooting in 2020. So it's it's been a labor of love and, and a great honor and privilege you know to to be around this man and embedded with him for the past few years
0: yeah i don't blame you just what an opportunity as you know a legend right there in the front of your eyes across the table from you so yeah this was a good one well i cannot wait to, <laughs> to watch this one alex uh my day is just starting here, but I've got plenty of time. Again, the documentary is Reggie, exclusively on Prime Video. So, Alex Stapleton, thank you so much for your your work. And in my last sixty seconds, can you tell us about what you're doing next? Next project?
2: Oh, I've got some stuff uh, cooking, and that I'll be really excited. Uh, more 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 projects in the sports space, which I'm really excited about. That's always going to be um, uh, my sweet spot. Um, and I just can't announce it just yet. Um, and also doing some great things in music, uh, including oh. a, a project uh, about women in hip hop uh, spanning
0: over the, the 50-year uh, lifespan of, of hip hop. into will continue on the next upcoming projects, especially the hip hop one. So thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day and a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you so much, Alex. And once again, the documentary is Reggie. It is currently playing right now on prime video. And again, if you're a big fan of baseball and Reggie Jackson and remembers that big era where he kind of ruled uh, the major league baseball uh, world, you will definitely want to see this. one. it's quite interesting as, yeah, if you like baseball for sure. Okay. That is going to take us to our next guest here, our featured guest for this show. This is an interesting film. This is also a documentary. And if you love movies about the mob and mafia and rich people and good looking people who are rich people who might happen to be connected to the mob and also international travel, this documentary has all of that. It has all of that and then some. The title of it is called King of Kings Chasing Edward Jones. And this is uh, a documentary about an actual family. Yes, an actual man. Edward Jones really did exist. And what it does, it takes an in-depth look at the life and legacy of Edward James. He was very handsome. He was very wealthy. He was charismatic. He was an African-American businessman uh, who kind of rose to heights in career success uh, in the financial and political prominence in uh, the Depression-era Chicago in the Chicago area during the Depression years. So the writer, the producer, and the director of King of Kings is Harriet Marin Jones. And she is also the granddaughter of, yeah, isn't that interesting, of Edward Jones. This film was executive produced by the legendary music man himself, Quincy Jones, and also superstar dancer, actress, director herself, Debbie Allen. So you've got a one heck of a film here. You've got Quincy Jones and Debbie Allen executive producing, and it just happens to be about your grandfather. Now, some people said Edward Jones, some people referred to him as a gangster. Some people said he was a philanthropist. Well, he was quite interesting, no matter how you look at it. And he rose to prominence during, as I said, the post-Depression era of era of Chicago through the numbers game. Back then they called it um, policy makers, policy business, not makers, policy business. Yeah, policy business guys. But they were really, you know, on the high echelon of the numbers game. Edward Jones came up with over the years, over $25 million from the policy business. He owned all kinds of properties and such around the world. And again, his granddaughter, Harriet Marin Jones, takes a look at her grandfather and her grandparents in this really fabulous sometimes dangerous life that they led back during the 1930s and 40s. Now, King of Kings, uh, that is the short title. This documentary is making its rounds through the film festival circuit. And my goodness, it is racking up awards left and right. And it will be screened on April 22nd uh, next month at the upcoming Beverly Hills Film Festival. And we're going to talk with the director, Harriet, she uh called us from all the way from Paris just about three days ago. So uh I I just love this film. It's so interesting. So if you love, again, if you, there's murder, there's mafia, there's there's prison, there's a kidnapping, it's millions of dollars, violence, just Again, it's all of the things that make a film really interesting and fascinating in Hollywood, but it happens to be a true story. So let's roll my interview, my pre-recorded interview with uh, the director of this film about her grandfather. The title again is King of Kings, Chasing Edward Jones, and the director is Harriet Marin Jones. And again, she called us all the way from Paris, France. So let's roll it with Harriet right now.
1: Hi, Janet. This is Harriet calling from Paris.
0: Well, hello, Harriet. How are you this afternoon or evening? Well, I'm doing good. Actually, I got out of the airport and I have arrived
1: 10 minutes ago. Believe me, I was in the taxi cab. You know, there are some strikes here in France right now. And I was really worried that I wasn't going (laughs) to arrive
0: on time because my flight was an hour later. But everything's fine, I'm here. Well, I hear you loud and clear. And thank you so much. I mean, it's okay if you would have been running a little late. It happens, especially when you're doing international calls. But you are calling us all the way from the beautiful city of lights. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us this evening. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm really happy to be here. Well, Miss Harriet, I just want to tell you how much I enjoyed your film, King of Kings. And uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of, of the, the making of the film and such, I want to tell everybody, that King of Kings is doing very well on the film festival circuit. Uh, It's been screened at the recent Pan-African Film Festival, the Anchorage International Film Festival, the Chicago Award it received for the Chicago International Film Festival. And next month, King of Kings is an official selection at the Beverly Hills Film Festival, which will be April 17th through the 24th. Now, Harriet, your film, King of Kings, takes an in-depth look at the life and legacy of your grandfather, Edward Jones, a multi-millionaire businessman, policy numbers game uh, businessman, during the Depression-era Chicago. And, I mean, the story has all the ingredients of what makes a good film. It's got love and violence, success, the mafia, (laughs) prison, kidnapping, (laughs) murder, good-looking people, But this film is not a fictitious Hollywood story. This film is about your own grandfather, Edward Jones. So tell us, who was Edward Jones? You're absolutely right. That This is what is so crazy
1: because everything is true and it looks like uh, it goes beyond fiction. So basically my grandfather, he was from Mississippi. He left Mississippi and went to Chicago because his family got threats from the Ku Klux Klan. And he took in Chicago a nickel and dime business and he really built it into a multi-million dollar enterprise That ultimately will become the state lottery. So like you said, it's really an amazing story because through his life, through his journey, we're going to go through all the major events that happened in the U.S. during those 60 years period.
0: And I also want to add that the great Quincy Jones and the great Debbie Allen are the executive producers of King of Kings. And so before we go back to the, the the nuts and bolts again of the story, tell us how did Quincy Jones, who is seen throughout the film, how did Quincy and Debbie get involved with this film? Well, Quincy, actually, it was quite
1: easy because Quincy's father used to work for my grandfather he was the carpenter for all the Jones brothers so actually when I started working on the documentary I reached out to Quincy and I asked him would you agree to do an interview and he was amazing he said yes immediately actually he had always kept in touch with my mother so each time I go to Los Angeles, I see him. I just spent a week with him when I was at the Pan-African Films Festival. I stayed with him for a week, and it was like the most amazing week you can imagine, just spending time talking about films, talking about everything. So that was fantastic. And uh, Debbie, actually, I met him through someone whose name is Johnny Simon. He's a uh, film director, photography. And uh, he, I had shown him, the, I had done a teaser, and he said, oh, you've got to meet Debbie. And I actually met Debbie five years ago. And from the moment she saw the teaser she said oh, this story is absolutely amazing and I want to be part of this adventure and she's been part of it ever since and I it, was very lucky to oh, have both were. of them with me
0: oh you really were and what an adventure it has been I understand that it took you 10 years to put this all together and bring <laughs> it to life so tell us about some of that journey
1: Well, that sounds actually pretty pathetic that it took me this long. But if you consider the fact that I live in Paris, in France, uh, of course, like many film directors, you cannot just work on your film because you need to do often other works to make money to leave etc so I had to add the jobs I've been working on and so I would each time I would raise enough money I would go and shoot then I would come back etc and of course the post-production took a little bit of time the editing and all but those 10 years went really quickly even though it felt very long but it's often the journey of uh, people that make documentaries. It's, it's part of the journey. It takes a long time. First of all, the research took a long time. I had the chance, I was very lucky also there, to be working with someone who is in Chicago. She's a tap researcher who actually won a bunch of Emmy Awards for her research. Her name is Pat Lofthaus, and she uh, did a lot of research. She's the one who found all those amazing colourful images that you see in the film.
0: So it took a while, but uh, the result is here. <laughs> Those animated sequences, Harriet, are just beautiful. And they just, the tapestry just blends right into the storyline. I, I just love the way you guys did that. It's just beautiful. Oh, Janice,
1: thank you so much. You know, for me, it was very important for, that the film had the the, the sense of a thriller, I have children and I wanted to make sure that my children and the audience in general wouldn't be bored watching a documentary. I didn't want to have talking heads and just have one interview after the other. So that's why the pace is really fast that I put those like careful images. Uh, the person that did that is a French guy whose name is Christian Votelmane and he's amazingly talented. He's done some feature films, really huge budget films, and basically anything that I couldn't tell through pictures, through newspaper clips, through interviews, I did it through those uh, animated sequences and it really gave the feeling of a film noir. And that's what I was looking for.
0: It does, because some of those sequences, it's like, you know, like a, a big video game is about to start or something. So I know the younger people will really love that aspect of it. It's so cool how you did that, how you guys did that. <laughs> well, okay. Well, thank you. Well, now, Harriet, your dad, your granddad, your grandfather... Okay he was a major major multimillionaire again numbers runner person that businessman during that era now you know is he viewed as a robin hood or as a gangster because he did a lot of good work with that money with helping the black communities of chicago back then so how how should he be viewed with with what his life was about
1: well, uh, definitely in the film, Quincy calls him a Robin Hood because during the de- depression, he did take care of his community. He uh, created him and his brothers and also other policy kings, but uh, the fabulous Jones brothers, that's the way they were called, created at the time over 10,000 jobs. So you can imagine doing segregation, uh, during the depression, I mean, it was such tough times. That was quite amazing. But more than that, he allowed people to go to, he sent a lot of people to college, he uh, put money into a lot of businesses, he allowed uh, like sports person like uh, Joe Lewis to start his career, I mean, he became of course, the world uh, champion of boxing, I mean, he really was there for the community because it was thanks to the community also that he became such a rich man. So it was like a spiritual circle. At the same time, he can also be called a gangster or an outlaw because the game was illegal at the time. It only became legal Years later in 1974, when the government took it over, changed a couple of things, and turned it into the state lottery. But when it was in the hands of African Americans, it was an illegal game. So, of course, he was an outlaw doing something illegal.
0: And one of the business uh, men that he helped, of many, was uh, John Johnson of Johnson Publications, Ebony Jet. Is that correct? Absolutely, that's very correct. That was one of the many persons that he helped. But of
1: course, uh, he became so famous because between Ebony, Jet, etc., he's actually, I think, the first African-American that was cited in Forbes uh, in the top 40, top earning man.
0: Is it good to say or safe to say that during that era, that your grandfather was probably or could be said the most powerful African-American men in the whole state or or maybe even the whole country at that time? Well, for sure, in Chicago, in Illinois, definitely. Uh, there is
1: this saying that the mayor would say if people would go to him and ask them questions, they would say, go and ask Ed Jones. Uh, he was extremely influential. He's the one who uh, allowed the city to go from Republican to Democrat. Actually, he was... a uh, uh, he to get the votes to get blacks to uh, vote for the Democratic uh, Party, he made the whole shift. Uh, he was extremely influential, of course, with politicians, with judges, etc. The fact that he was so wealthy and so successful, of course, increased uh, all his influence.
0: And that that uh, kind of, as we say in this times, bad boy, so to speak. Element of his life made his life even more intriguing and dangerous. I mean, I was just on edge with some of the scenes and some of the, you know, as the story was unfolding, I was just so afraid. I don't want to give away too much. Um, but, but what, why do you suppose that your grandfather's story has not been told or has not been, you know, or you know, out in books and and what? Or have has have there been any books about it?
1: Well, actually no. there haven't been any books on my grandfather and actually I'm finishing a book. I've been working on the book for five years. So it's taken me a little less time than the documentary but it took me a long time. Uh, well, that's a very good question, Janice. There should be books on my grandfather. There should be books on the policy kings. There is a fantastic book from uh, Nathan Thompson, which is called Kings and actually a lot of information you can find in his book and it's really a fascinating book and he's working now on the second uh Version on the follow up, but you see, when I went to the museum of uh, the Chicago History Museum, there is absolutely nothing on the policy business, nothing on the policy kings, absolutely nothing on the fabulous Stradders. Brothers. Uh, well, there was a time where you had a lot of things on, let's say, Al Capone, on the uncorrupted, uh, the untouchables, etc. But Things that related to African-Americans were not really put up front. And that's why it is so important for us to be telling these stories. It's very important. It's part of American history and people should know about it. It's very, it's an essential part of their history.
0: And again, I don't want to give away too much of the story because we definitely want people to see this film. Uh, your grandfather encountered uh Sam Giancana. That that's that's what scared me when I saw that portion of it. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, yeah, actually. Hey- he was absolutely he met him in
1: jail so I'm giving in a little bit of that but uh, they did meet in jail and actually uh, Sam Chakana is going to become so powerful he's going to become one of the bosses of the outfit the outfit is what you call in uh, Chicago the mob, and uh, that's what also makes it such an interesting and wild story because all this is going to be against the backdrop of the mafia so you have the corruption of the government going on. You have the mafia. It's the time of Al Capone and of the other bosses, etc. So there is a lot of shooting. There is a lot of explosions. There is a lot of things going on. That's why it also is this great epic gangster film.
0: It really is. And I am such a fan of gangster mafia films. Oh my goodness. But you know, your film not only is King of Kings uh entertaining, it's very educational because these are facts. These are actual facts that happen, you know, in America. And so I, I really encourage as many people as possible to see this. Well, tell me, Harriet, I understand that in the beginning of the film, there were a lot of your relatives and the younger ones, and they were saying that they didn't know this part uh, about your grandfather. Why do you suppose that his real story uh, was so unknown among family members Or, or did they know it and just not talk about it?
1: No, that's why I went into this journey of making this film. It was a completely untold story, Janice, within the family. So it wasn't told within the family and knowing the Chicago, knowing the U.S. So it's really an untold story. The reason why my mother kept it quiet, I think, uh, first of all, there were a lot of things that she didn't know, but there were a lot of things that she did know, but she didn't want to talk about it. Was it that she was ashamed? I think it's much more complicated that that because she has so much love and admiration for her father that uh, that would be too short of an explanation. But the fact that he did something illegal, I think, uh, made her uncomfortable. On top of that, it was also a generation, you know, men at that time didn't really speak with their children about what they did as a child. They didn't speak that much with their wives, you know, about what was their occupation. So it was an untold story. Me, myself, I only found out about when I was 17 years old. I left Europe and I went to study in Chicago at Loyola University I arrived at 17 and actually I met someone who was a student also he's the one who is the judge in the in the documentary he became a judge afterwards and uh, he's the one who told me, this. And he came to pick me up, and he said, are you related to Lydia Edward Jones? And I said, yeah, they're my grandparents. And he's actually the one who told me about the jail, the kidnapping, I mean, the whole thing, the state lottery, et cetera. I mean, it was completely wild. I couldn't believe it. And then I started digging.
0: Now, so you have wanted to do this film, uh, I mean, what was it that really sparked you? Uh, was that when you were 17 and you first found out about it or or later?
1: Well, actually, uh, I studied film. So I, did my, I got a master's from film uh, from uh, New York University. I did a bunch of short film. But, you know, I didn't go immediately into telling this documentary, into telling the story of my grandparents, because, first of all, I wanted to do fiction. So I worked. In fiction for a long time. Uh, I did a feature film, which was completely fiction, etc. But the story was always in the back of my head. And, you know, you have to authorize yourself to go into that. And I think it asked of me to be a little bit brave because I knew it wouldn't make my mother too comfortable. I knew I would be like uh, going and asking questions, perhaps that wouldn't make a lot of people comfortable in Mexico because there is a family of George who's still there, etc. I mean, you know, you're digging. So I needed to go probably and become a, a little bit older to be able to tackle this story. And I'm glad actually that I did. And I'm almost glad even though it took so long that it took me this many years because actually I went Deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, The more interviews I did, the more doors opened, the more I could go and found out new stuff. And that's why the documentary is so rich and intense.
0: And this is my last two, I'm going to say last two questions. I'm just so fascinated by the whole film. I know I've got some more. But the two main questions that I really want to know What's been the reaction from family members? You have family members all over the world, actually, here, Mexico City and Paris and America and probably other places I just don't know about. So what's been the reaction from family members?
1: Well, actually, you're right. We spread all over the world. Uh, My father is from Spain. I have my sister that lives in Madrid. Uh, Another of my sister lives in Australia. We talk of family, etc. So we really spread in a bunch of continents. Uh, The reaction was absolutely amazing uh, because they learned so many things all my my children my nephews like you could see in the film Mm -hmm. i have a very big and extended family so the ones who saw the film it was like wow we had no idea we couldn't believe that that happened they were completely amazed and my mother actually she couldn't come to chicago when it was shown at the chicago international film festival because she had Happened an operation. So she saw it. I went, she lives in Miami. I went to Miami and showed it to her. And so when she just saw it, the first screening was like, oh, I was really freaking out. I don't know if you can say that in English, but uh, I think she took a lot in. And actually now she's seen the film eight times and she oh. adores it. Uh, it sent her links and she's been showing it to all her friends that come to the house, etc. And she, she really, really loves it. And most of all, you know, Janice, I really feel that my grandparents, I think are looking at it from up there. And uh, at least their place is back in the world. I think they, they must be very happy that this film exists, that the story has been told, you know, my grandmother with the Carlton club with all her journey with Josephine Baker, etc. It's there, it's on screen for
0: everyone to see it. And as you know, Harriet, I'm probably there's no probably to it. When I hang up from you later tonight, I'm going to go back and see it for this will be my third time. It is just that good. <laughs> I, I just enjoyed it. And to further speak of Josephine Baker, uh, she was friends with your grandfather and grandmother. Uh, she we've seen video clips well, More than France. Mm-hmm. More than France. Actually, my
1: grandmother was a dancer. She started dancing when she was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And she went to France with Josephine Baker. And they danced together in La Revue Nex in 1924 in the Théâtre des Champs-Élysées here in Paris. Mm-hmm. And they were roommates. So they became friends long before my grandmother met my grandfather at the Cotton Club in 1931. So after my grandfather, of course, uh, paid for her her, uh, when she toured in the States, Mm -hmm. etc., and they saw each other all through their life. And it's amazing because I live here in France and Josephine Baker, is such a star here, Janice. I mean, she, of course, went into the Pantheon. I mean, she's such a big deal. And the fact that my grandfather funded his, uh, his Satourney in the States is really huge. The fact that my grandmother was her roommate, that they danced together, is really it's quite amazing, also. It sounds like they were like sisters almost. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but actually, my grandmother was a little bit more subdued, more, how can I say that, Uh, more shy. From what I understand, uh, Josephine Baker, with all her talent, etc., she was extremely extravarchy. She was like uh, really fierce and amazing, etc. My grandmother was much, much more
0: shy. More shy. Well, now, has the film uh, (laughs) been screened in Paris yet or are there plans later on or what?
1: No, not yet. I just did a screening for the crew because, uh, of course, I had some amazing people working on the film with me. So only the crew has in it. I'm looking for a distributor, so we're talking with a lot of people. Uh, It's really we're going to see what's going to happen. Like you say, I'm going back to Los Angeles to be at the Beverly Hills Film Festival and after, actually, it's been also selected at two other festivals in April. So one is official, it's uh, the Julian Dubuque uh, International Film Festival, then another one which is not official, so I'm not allowed to say it. but it's amazing what's happening with the festival because so far we've done four festivals it's one
0: each time in every festival so we've been very very lucky and blessed you really have been oh my goodness you have but it's so deserving very much deserving I got, i've got really for real now two last questions here and i'm being just extremely nosy what uh, about how much money are or Estimated worth would you say your grandfather would be worth in today's market, money-wise? Wow,
1: that's uh, that's an interesting question. At the time they said that they were worth $25 million, but that was in the 30s and 40s. Put together in today's money, probably. I would say half a billion, something like that. It was really, but really, really huge. They said that there was money coming out from all the closets. They had twenty-five bank accounts. They had four hotels. They had apartments and buildings all over Chicago South Side. Of course, they had it in Paris. They had houses in Mexico.
0: I mean, it was huge. They had paintings from Diego Rivera, etc. I mean, it was really huge. So, Harriet, what happened to all that fortune? I mean, is it just and I, again, I'm being nosy. Is it just distributed among the family, or or just, or is that a sequel for the next film project, <laughs> or what? No, you know, very often when there is that much money, the money
1: disappears. Basically, when my grandfather passed away, he did a wheel, a real uh, will. I mean, with notary, etc. And he gave everything to my grandmother. And actually, he gave peanuts to my mother and her two brothers. Everything went to my grandmother. But my grandmother, first of all, she was in complete shock with, his, with her death. Mm-hmm. It was the man of her life. She was no businesswoman whatsoever. And basically, she let the brother of my grandfather, uh, he, who was the trustee of the will, take care of everything. Oh. So between him and the lawyers, the in what, five, six years, the entire fortune disappeared. My grandmother for everything really got, I'm not going to say, I mean, people have to see the documentary, Mm -hmm. but she got such little money. So that's part also of the story because it's amazing. There was so much money. Normally it should have gone on for like five or six generations to say the least. If the money had just put, in the back and if we had just lived out of the interest. But no, it was in six, five, six years, it was gone.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. But it sounds like everybody is doing fine. Uh, But just still, you know, like you said, that should have lasted, been generations to come. Uh, And I want to also note that your grandfather, uh, Edward Jones, passed away in 1964. So to further speak of sequels and such, Oh, Harry, please tell me that there is talk about this becoming a Netflix miniseries or Hulu miniseries or somebody's <laughs> miniseries. Please tell me that.
1: Well, you know what? From the very beginning, I've had that in my head. Because I wanted to do the documentary that was essential for me to tell the real story with the pictures, with the uh, real people that met my grandfather, etc. And that is done and I'm so happy. The next step is definitely the series. And actually uh, actually, we in discussion with the, one of the big streamers, so we'll see. Let's hope it's going to happen because it really deserves to be told. There are so many things that I uh, that gets can still taken and uh, tell in the in the mini series yes. it will be absolutely amazing the book is already 367 pages so you can imagine
0: oh my goodness i hey I'll be waiting at Barnes and Noble because I still like to have the books in my hand I mean it's okay to read online and all that but I want the book in my hand so I will be waiting for your <laughs> book about what, what do you think it'll be up by next year or so Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. Actually, I finished it two weeks ago. Oh, but I have, in France, you say, j'ai trop le nez sur le guidon. Basically, I've worked so much on it that I've asked three of my friends to read it. And then I'm going to do one last rewrite. And then I'll have, uh, hopefully, publish it. Since it's going to be my third book, I still owe a book to my publisher. So he'll be the first one to read it. And then if they pass, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, believe me, Janice, I will
0: send you a copy. I'm like you. I love to read. And I still love to read in books. That's really my passion. I cannot wait, Harriet. I cannot wait. Well, now, lastly... Uh, I know the film King of Kings Again, the documentary, is making and doing very well on the film festival circuit. I There are so many friends of mine who want, because I've sent the trailer and they're like, well, how can I see it? How can I see it? So is there a website or social media handles? What what do we need to do for these nosy friends of mine and okay. others? Okay. So- First of all, they should come on... uh, I
1: already have the date. It's going to be screened at the Beverly Hills Film Festival on April 22nd. So it's a Saturday. They should all come in, uh, all those, of course, who are in the Los Angeles area. So they will be able... It's going to be screened in the Chinese Theater. It's going to be an amazing screen. So anyone who is in California, in Los Angeles, they should come. And otherwise... Well, they're going to have to wait until I have a a deal that's that is done so for the moment they're going to have to be a little bit more patient or have to they'll have to see it in the different festival where the film has been selected uh, but believe me I've had since it's been screened in uh, Chicago and in Anchorage etc I've had so many people even in festival, telling me we want to be can universities have asked me for the screening if they could screen the film etc so I said yes to two of the screenings in uh, Northeastern University and in uh, another museum in Chicago. But then I said, no, we're going to have to wait until I have a real distributor.
0: But so it will happen. They just need okay. to be patient. be patient. And in the meantime, come on April 22nd. To Beverly Hills. And there's always a great excuse to go to Beverly Hills. So this is a good one right here. So in the meantime, um, there is there a website for the film yet or what? Oh, yes, Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. I got carried away. There is a no, website, no, okay. there is an Instagram, and there is a Facebook. So basically, it's like King of Kings film or the film or something like that or uh tiré film uh if they look for it they will find it there is also an instagram and uh, i'm really bad with social media so Me i don't do. know if there's a lot happening mm-hmm. but they will know about the screenings in the different festivals etc they they will have a lot of information they'll be able to see the
0: teaser and all so really do go and check the website Definitely. So, and I will, I will look up and make sure I have all of that uh, on our website and also our pages as well. So once again, just a fascinating film documentary, King of Kings, Harriet Marin Jones, and you are the director. You're also a very talented producer and writer. I have enjoyed running my mouth with you this last 30 minutes, Harriet. Thank you so much. Um, for, for this film. Thank
1: you. I'm the one. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be talking to you. And I can see the passion of you uh, with the film and it's so fabulous because as a filmmaker, that's what you want, <laughs> yes. you know, for the audience to get it. And it's so fabulous when you see that. And that's what happened also when we screened it. People were like standing up. It was like standing ovation. It was really amazing.
0: And you feel blessed as a director when that happens. Oh, I can only imagine. So So I'm going to, I'm not that far away. I'm over in Las Vegas, not that far from LA. So I'm going to see, can I just sashay over there for the Beverly Hills Film Festival on April 22nd and see the film big screen with you and the rest of the crowd there. So, uh, hey, I look forward to meeting you in person at the Beverly Hills Film Festival next month. Well, me too. Really looking forward to meeting you in person. Definitely come and see me yes. before and after this screening. Yes, I will. So I know you just landed, uh, and you are I know about international travel and such. You, you're probably tired, but thank you for such an energetic and wonderful film, and congratulations on the success of it. Thank you so much. i looking forward to meeting you on the 22nd. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, take care then. Bye-bye. You could take it. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Harriet. Once again, the documentary is King of Kings, Chasing Edward Jones. And again, Harriet, that is her actual grandfather. It is a fascinating film. And also I want to thank my guest, Alex Stapleton, who is also a director of the new Reggie Jackson documentary simply titled Reggie that's playing currently on Prime Video. Ladies, you're doing some great work here. Thank all of you for listening to us and we'll see you next week on another edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.